Good morning, everybody. I am so glad that you are here today because I think today is going to be a special day for all of us. And, um, you know, we are uh, coming to the end of this uh, series about being uh, the chameleon series. And we're not wanting to be chameleons. We're not wanting to fit in with the culture of our world. We're wanting to stand out for Christ. And uh, so I'm excited because I feel like God is, He has something for you to hear today. God is moving, and I want to move with Him. And the first thing is I, I want you to meet a very special person with a very special mission. Uh, Lynn and John Saylor have been here with us, you know, off and on for 10 years, the last two years, I think, more uh, regularly. Lynn, would you go ahead and make your way up as I sort of introduce you this morning? Uh, Lynn and John have been married 12 years, I think. Is that how, how many? 17 years. Wow, where did I get 12? That's just senility right there. Five years were so good, they didn't even count like a year. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> and, uh, but they, they've been, and they got six children. Six children. Praise the Lord. I'm going to give that to you. Just hold that right up to your... Uh, and have a seat with me right here. Uh, God has been putting something on Lynn's heart, uh, ways to minister to some people in our community. Uh, and I, you know, in light of what we're talking about, I've asked her to come today and to sort of share about her heart, about what's going on. So uh, would you welcome Lynn to the stage this morning? <laughs> thanks, thanks, Pastor Tim. There's a lot of people here today, it seems like. Usually I sit in the back and I don't notice so many, but up here I definitely can yes, see that yes. it's a full crowd today. So thank well, you so much for having me. Well, thank you for stepping out of that comfort yeah. zone and being willing to come uh, here with us. Um, for, the, for the last few weeks, we've been uh, in this chameleon series talking about standing up and trying not to fit in with the rest of the world. And I know that you've been seeking God in what God wants you to do. And this has been on your heart for some time. It didn't happen as a result of the sermon series. But uh, first of all, how did you come to Christ Church? What sort of brought you and your family here? Uh, my mom, Kim Tippett, she's been here for a long time. Her and my brother Gabe came. So we would come on holidays and you know different events that they had. So we've been visiting for over well over 10 years. And then... Um, the last two years, uh, my daughter Mia, she wanted to be more involved in a youth um, group and be able to sing, and so she's on the praise team, and so um, this is the perfect place for her. She just feels right at home, and so we've made it our home, and we love coming. So. Yes, and by the way, you have wonderful children. <laughs> I mean, I can just say, because I've had some of them in some of the classes and some of the things, and just seeing them. Wonderful, wonderful children. I know you're doing something right at home. Give them a hand for being good parents. Um, uh, now, uh, can you tell us a little bit about what God has been putting on your heart uh, to serve? Sure. So um, eight years ago, back in 2014, my youngest, Cameron, uh, he was born and he was in the NICU for, uh, for two weeks. And while he was there, we noticed that some of the babies around us didn't really have a lot of visitors during the week. So we had mentioned it to one nurse and asked, you know, if they if they get visitors a lot. And she said that some of the babies there, their families are hours away. And they uh, maybe are flown in from military bases and families couldn't be there during the week because they have jobs and, and other children at home. So 
Um, as a parent, having my first child in the NICU, that was, I just couldn't imagine not being able to go up every day and visiting my baby. So um, it was a few months later, and we were home one night, and I was holding Cameron on the couch, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit told me that I could help these families see their babies a little bit easier. So I told John, who he's definitely the computer savvy person in the in the family and so he got that night he got the our Facebook page set up so we called um, we called it Cameron's care packages and so we take up care packages yearly to uh, the NICU the social workers hand them out to families who could benefit from them and so so far we've taken up over 70 and each one has $100 in gas $100 in food gift cards and then other baby items that um, the families would need and we um, I know two years ago when we took them up we took up 13 which was the most at that time we had taken up in a year and those were given out that day there had been um, those many families at least had been there over 60 days in the NICU and so hearing that um, it broke my heart but yet made me feel happy that we would be able um, we were helping them to be able to visit their babies uh, a little bit easier so then it was um, two Aprils, not this last, this April, but the April before, I was studying to take my realty test, again, on a couch, not the same one, but in the living room, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit put another mission on my heart, and so I told John, I said, okay, I know what the Lord wants me to do next, but I can't do anything until I pass this test, and so he's like, well, can you kind of, you know, let me know what, what we're going to be doing. And so, um, so I told him, um, we, I knew that um, we were going to open a house for pregnant moms who um, maybe were homeless, um, did not have a support system. And so we went and we got our uh, 501c3. So we are an official um, nonprofit organization. So did, uh, donations are tax deductible. And we um, recently opened our first house, and I asked uh, a few weeks ago about a mom to be moving in. And so uh, the Lord, he takes my planning. He says, Lynn, you should not plan. So I was thinking <laughs> I would have months. These moms were going to come in, and we'd have months to prepare for the babies to be born. And the first mom who moved in, her due date is uh, the beginning of October. Well... I was like, oh, that's pretty quick. And then um, a few days later, I got a message from someone who had a referral, and she said, this young mom is due Sunday. So today, the mom is due. Um, and I said, okay, Lord, I get it. I'm not supposed to plan. So uh, the day that that mom moved in, the other mom, she actually went to the hospital thinking she might be going into labor. So she is actually any day now she could be having a baby so um, we have one more room open and I think we're going to be getting a few more applications this week so our house will be full wow. and uh, it's it's been a huge blessing to see I mean this house is a house that um, a family from Christ Covenant reached out and asked if we'd be interested in renting because we were having no luck uh, going through rental management places, they wouldn't rent to the nonprofit, only to applicants who would be living there. And so we had a house in, you know, in July, so we got uh, moved in, and we've had uh, fellow uh, Christ Covenant families donate furniture, and another nonprofit helped 
um, fill the rest of the house with furniture. So um, we have, I, I consider it, you know, a loving home for these moms to come into. And when they walk in, they can feel the Lord when they walk in. It, yeah. it really, um, uh, all, everyone who's come in has said it just feels so loving when they walk in. And that is what I, you know, it was built on love. And so... Well, Lynn, I'm, I'm so excited to see how you respond to the Holy Spirit and the Spirit's moving. And I think that all of us need to respond when the Spirit of God is moving us towards something. Uh, what can we as a church do or pray for you and these wonderful ministries God's put on your heart? Uh, well, specifically the mom who's due any minute now. Uh, she is a young first-time mom and very nervous, understandably. Um, I've gotten to know her the last few days, and I know that, um, you know, she's a believer, and, you know, she's, you know, looking to um, make a better life for her and the baby and the other mom in the house, too. I mean, it's, it's um, very rewarding to be doing this, but also very heartbreaking because there you don't realize really how many moms there are in our community locally that need this home. There is no other place like it around this area that has um, a long-term home for these moms. So they'll be able to live at the house for two years after the baby's born, and we're gonna help get them to school and work and get them with resources so when they go to move out that they can um, have a, a good foundation to be successful and be able to provide a, a, you know, a good life for, for their baby. So. Okay. Well so as, so as a church, I, you know, pray for the moms, pray for safe deliveries, pray for their, you know, their safety during delivery. And um, for us, I would just pray, you know, please pray that, you know, we can continue to be able to um, bless these moms and house them and, and um, get them the resources that, that they can use. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean, just, you know, we're, we're new to the community and so just spreading the word about us and um, what our missions are just the more people who know and can pray and and the word spreading you know I just feel like um, you know I would say I'm very bad with memorizing I feel like every kid my memory I have adult ADD now and I can't remember verses very well or whatever and I just find it easiest to if we just think you know love like Jesus you know that's on the back of my shirt it's just yeah. if you love like Jesus nothing else you can just you know do anything and that, life is good that, that's exactly right would, would you join with me as I pray for Lynn and this work father we just thank you so much that Lynn and John have responded to your call that they are trying to minister to these families in need. I'm so grateful for these moms who are deciding to have life rather than not to have life. And I'm thankful that Lynn is trying to give some place for them to get the resources and the support and the help that they need uh, to bring this life in and, and uh, even also to uh, learn more about you and your love and your grace. Thank you that they try to share your love with people in the name of Jesus, amen. Can I add one more thing? I'm so sorry, I'm a little nervous. Um, October 7th, we're having our big fundraiser. It's Mom Prom 2022. It's gonna be at Stokes Family Farm. 
Um, it's for moms of children, moms of dogs, moms of cats. It's just a, a, a night for women to come out to help support other women, and there's going to be you know, good music. We're going to have a food truck out there. There's going to be raffles, and all the money that we raise, we're going to be buying a van for our house. Um, so I can drive the moms where they need to be, and then all the money left will be going towards rent in our utilities. So um, on our, we have a Facebook page. You can go on there, and we have All About Mom Prom, and you can buy your tickets, and we would really appreciate and, any. And we can share that link on our website okay. and those things, too. All right, and, right? and I have some flyers and my, my um, business card. If anybody wants any more information, I'll have out in the back. Yeah, if anybody at the wants end to of the service, as people are going, yeah. thank you. Um, thank, thank you. God thank bless you. you. Okay. Man, that is so exciting to see, you know, just people responding to the love of God. You know, Lynn is an example of not fitting in, but of standing up, standing out. Really, she is imitating Christ and the love of Christ in the fact that she has seen a need and she has stepped up to try to do something about it. Not only her, but her whole family. Many times we feel like the need is so great, there's nothing that we could do. I mean, it's so big, how can we make a difference? And so we don't even attempt to do anything about it. Just the idea of imitating Christ can sometimes get us a little worked up. Now, you know what I mean? <laughs> Jesus was crucified. I don't like pain. Y'all hear me? Y'all hear what I'm saying? I don't like it, so I just sit back in the corner and not make waves. I'll just sort of be out of sight. I'll keep my mouth shut, and hopefully nobody will notice me. That's a problem if I'm also trying to be a Christian. Because as a Christian, that is not an option. And if you're hiding out, thinking I'm just going to avoid Standing out for God, friend, you need a revival, and it's here today, and I'm glad you're here today. As we draw this series to a close, we're going to be talking about one of the most powerful forces, if not the most powerful force in the universe, and you know what it is? It's love, exactly what Lynn mentioned. As believers and followers of Christ, we are called to imitate Christ. And this includes learning to love like Jesus loved. Oscar Wilde once said, Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery that mediocrity can pay to greatness. <laughs> well, we've probably heard that said a different way. Imitation is the highest form of flattery. But in any event, who better to imitate than Jesus? Would you all agree with me on that? Who better to model my life around? Who better to pattern my day after? Who better to conform my image to than the Son of the living God? Christ is our most precious example of righteous living. And the truth is, standing out for Christ must include the most important aspect of His life and ministry, which is love. John 3.16 tells us, we'll read it in a little while, but love is the reason Jesus came. John 15.13, Jesus said, greater love is no one than this, that they lay down their life for their friends. Love was the reason Jesus traded his life for ours. So here's the big idea for today. We imitate God best 
When we love people as Christ loves people. Say that with me. We imitate God best when we love people as Christ loves people. We don't want to love as the world loves. You know, ungodly people, pagan people, people that don't know God, they love to. They love people that love them in return. They love people who are nice to them. They love conditionally. But many times their love is based on what the other person is going to bring to them. The world loves if you can do what it wants you to do. But Jesus' love is different. The only imitation we should be striving for in our life is to imitate Jesus. And that means we look like him in how we love people. His love was unbelievable to those who received it. His love was unconditional and not based on performance. His love was self-sacrificial, not selfish. The only urge we should give in to is the urge to be more like Jesus. Pray with me. God, help me to understand the love that you have for me and for the rest of your people. And once I understand it, allow me to learn how to show it to those around me by the way I act and I speak. Open our ears today that we may hear your word clearly spoken. Open our eyes that we may see the needs of those around us so that we can love them as you love them. And Father, help us to respond to the moving of your Spirit. Help us to receive your love and to give your love in the name of Jesus. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 2, we read, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of what? Love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, the New American Standard reads this way, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. The New Living Translation reads, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. So friends, no matter which translation you read, Paul calls us to follow Jesus, to imitate him in the way that we love. It sounds too simple. Maybe you don't feel that way. But the reality is we tend to get in our own way sometimes in this process. Because we seem to distort what God's love actually looks like in action. We tend to mold it into the, what the world defines as love, which is really a far cry from God's working definition. And so today, 
as we close out this challenging series about standing out for Christ, about being His ambassadors in our world, let's look at three key aspects of God's love that cannot be missed and must be implemented and imitated in our lives. We understand that if we're going to stand out for Christ, having the love that He has is vitally important. And first of all, God's love is unconditional. This isn't the first time you've heard that. (laughs) But when we think about conditions the world puts on love, it is incredible, isn't it? What have you done for me lately? Not only do you have to accept me and agree with me on everything, but if you disagree with me on any part, I, I just cancel you out. That's the world's way of dealing with people. As Christians, you know, we can do the same thing. We, we have a hard time differentiating sin from the sinner, and we end up hating both. Friends, that's not Jesus' way. God's love is different in that He loves us without condition. We read about God's love in many different verses, but I mentioned John 3.16 earlier. For God so loved the world. You can say it with me. You know it, right? That he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That verse is arguably the most well-known and oft-quoted verse in the Bible. And for good reason, because it is really a concise explanation of the gospel. There wasn't anything we did to earn the love and favor of God. In fact, based upon previous centuries of human history, it would seem likely that God would know better than to give up His own Son for people like us. However, that's exactly what He did. And His motivation was love. Not just any love, but those of you that have been in church for a long time, know the word agape, which is the Greek word for a specific kind of love. It is the highest form of love referenced in the New Testament. Agape is one of several Greek words for love, and when the word agape is used in the Bible, it refers to a pure, willful, sacrificial love that intentionally desires another's highest good. Agape love has been described as unconditional love. It means that regardless of what you say or do to me, I'm still going to love you and I won't stop. Agape love isn't earned love. It's not what have you done for me lately. It's I love you regardless of what you've done for me or to me. This is a description of God's love for us. And thank God He loves us like that, right? Do I hear an amen on that? God's love is intentional, it is sacrificial, and it is powerful. And the topic of that love reminds me of a story I read. There was a college guy. How many of y'all are in college this morning? Anybody in college? Okay. Any of y'all had a first love yet? Anybody had a first love? They're not raising their hands on that one. I'm not going to. So this guy brings a, a, a picture in a picture frame to a photography studio. He wants to get this picture duplicated. It's of his girlfriend. Now, this involved removing the picture from the frame. And when the studio owner 
uh, took the picture out of the frame, he noticed the inscription on the back, and it read this. My dearest Tom, or any of y'all named Tom? Okay. I love you with all my heart. I love you more and more each day. I love you forever and ever. I am always yours for all eternity. And it was signed, Helen. And then it had a P.S. And the P.S. says, if we ever break up, I want the picture back. (laughs) Now, Helen was obviously dealing in lowercase l, love, right? Also known as conditional love. It comes with strings attached, addendums and revisions. It changes based on feelings and outcomes, weather patterns, (laughs) hunger pains, or anything else that can disrupt us. But this is not the way of God because His love and commitment never change. And that's why we can trust His love because we know it will be the same tomorrow and next week, and next year, and throughout eternity. It's the unconditional nature of God's love that draws many people to Him. Many of us are here as a result of understanding the love of God for us. And as we seek to imitate that love in our lives, how can we best love others without condition, without addendums, without revisions and provisions. And as you think about that question, let me ask you another. When have you felt unconditional love in your life? I can tell you when when our children were born, when Alyssa and Sydney were born, there was an unconditional love. We took them home, and they were crying all the time, and they were pooping in those diapers. And I tell you, there was nothing that they were really doing for us other than being there. And we love them with all of our heart. Isn't that amazing? And then when we grow up and people are pooping on us and screaming at us, we don't love them. Unconditional love. As you think about those moments or relationships, how do you think you could extend that kind of love to others? What does that kind of love even look like? In his book, Hidden in Plain Sight, Arthur Pastor Mark Buchanan writes about a woman named Regina. Originally from Rwanda, Regina came to Christ while she was reading her sister's Bible during the genocide that ravaged that country. When she fled to Canada for refuge, she met her husband, Gordon, They decided to return to Rwanda to show the love of Christ to the people who had once been their enemies. And Regina told Mark Buchanan the story of agape love. She told him about a woman whose only son was murdered in that genocide. She was consumed with grief and hate and bitterness. And she prayed, God, reveal my son's killer. She wanted revenge. And one night she dreamed she was going to heaven. 
But there was a complication. In order to get to heaven, she had to pass through a certain house. In her dream, she walked down the street. She entered the house through the front door. She goes through its rooms and up the stairs and exits through the back door. And she asked God, whose house is this? And the response in her dream, it's the house of your son's killer. The road to heaven passed through the house of her enemy that she hated. This is a God thing. Because two nights later, there was a knock at her door. She opened it and there stood a young man about her son's age. And she said, yes, may I help you? And he hesitated. And then he said, I am the one who killed your son. And since that day, I've had no life, no peace. So here I am. I'm placing my life in your hands. Kill me. I am dead already. Throw me in jail. I am in prison already. Torture me. I am in torment already. Do with me as you wish. But this is what she had been praying for. This is the day she had been hoping for. And now that it had arrived, she didn't know what to do. She found to her own amazement that she didn't want to kill him. She didn't want to throw him in jail. She didn't want to torture him. And in that moment of reckoning, she found she only wanted one thing, a son. And she said to him, I ask this of you. Come into my home and live with me. Eat the food I would have prepared for my son. Wear the clothes I would have made for my son. Become the son I lost. And so he did. I don't know that I could do that. But the agape lovers do what God himself has done making sons and daughters out of bitter enemies, feeding and clothing them, blazing a trail to heaven straight through their houses. How can you love even those who seem impossible to love? I think this will require us to be a little unconventional, which leads us to our second thought of the day. God's love is unconventional. When Jesus ministered on earth, he was constantly extending compassion and mercy and love to those who were passed over by the rest of culture. Even those who were religious leaders passed over them. Jesus loved those whom culture had deemed unlovable and unclean and undeserving. Think about these folks in the scripture. The woman at the well, we've mentioned her a couple of times. She was a Samaritan. She was a woman. Jesus shouldn't be helping her. I mean, she was, had been married five times. She was living with a man she wasn't married to now. She was considered by the religious leaders and the culture ungodly. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, collecting the taxes for the Roman government, the religious leaders and the culture looked at him unpatriotic. 
the woman with the flow of blood. For 12 years, she'd been bleeding. The Old Testament law said a woman in bleeding was unclean. Don't touch her. And so for 12 years, unable to worship with her family, unable to be around the culture, looked at by the religious leaders and the culture as unclean, unacceptable. The crippled man at the pool of Bethsaida, wanting to get in that pool to be cleansed and healed. Nobody would help him. He was unwanted. The thief hanging next to him, on the, next to Jesus on the cross. I mean, he deserved to be there. He was unworthy of mercy or grace. And the Jews, even, who crucified Jesus, who called for him to be put to death on the cross, Many of Jesus' disciples probably looked at them as unloving, undeserving of our love. And yet as Jesus hung on the cross, what did he say about them? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. We see Jesus' compassion and mercy and love in all these stories and countless others throughout the Gospels, and these are just the recorded ones. <laughs> there must have been countless others who received the unconventional and unconditional love of Christ because he was always willing to step outside of social and cultural norms to reach people. To the world, loving that way seems crazy. In order for us to love unconventional, we're going to have to think outside the box. And at times, again, the world's going to say, you're crazy. But Jesus loved, looked crazy to the culture for talking to a woman at a well. The Pharisees thought he was crazy for healing people on the Sabbath. Peter, Paul, and Stephen, all the other disciples, looked so, they were sold out, completely committed to the gospel, which in the eyes of the world around them was crazy. Think about it on the day of Pentecost. Everybody's looking at them thinking, man, those guys are drunk. They're, they're talking out of their heads. Stephen, the day he was preaching and they killed him, they looked at him like a madman, and he kept preaching until he died. Paul was called a traitor to the Jews. But he and Silas, in a prison, chained, singing in the middle of the night. Who, what kind of crazy people are singing when they're being treated like that? It seems crazy to the world to love someone, even though they've been cruel to us. It seems crazy to the world to forgive someone. It seems crazy to, the, to love those who aren't like us. It seems crazy. The point being, if you're going to truly imitate the love of Christ, we're going to have to stand out. And it's going to look a little odd to those that are close to us. What does it look like? Maybe it looks like the Robinson family. If you have read the book Crazy Love by Francis Chan, you probably read their story. A few years ago, he wrote that book, and in the story, he shared about the Robinson family and their what we might call unusual Christmas Day tradition. The family of five, with three kids under the age of 10 at the time of the writing, chose to celebrate the birth of Christ in a, a unique way. You might say an unconventional way. On Christmas mornings, instead of focusing on the presents under the tree, I mean, they had presents, but they would make pancakes. They would brew up and earn a coffee, and they would head downtown. 
And once there, they would unload the coffee and the food, put it in the back of a little red wagon. And then with the eager help of their three-year-old, they would pull the wagon around the mostly empty streets of their city in search of homeless folks to offer a warm, hot meal on Christmas morning. All three of the Robinson kids looked forward to that time, giving a little bit of tangible love to people who otherwise would have been cold and hungry. Can you think of a better way to start the holiday than to celebrate the love of God that way? But the kicker is the unconditional, unconventional love of Christ produces some unbelievable results. I mean, good things happen and people respond. Think about Jason Brown, a former NFL player. Jason had a $37.5 million contract on the table that he turned away from. He left the NFL. Why? He felt God was leading him to go back to his home in Henderson, North Carolina and start a farm. And from that farm, he would give away all the food to people who were in need. The money was great, but with it came problems. He and his wife struggled. In fact, they were talking about divorce. But now, they're closer than ever as they don't have all that money, but they're serving the community. They were able to buy a thousand acres of land and begin farming, even though neither of them had ever farmed before in their life. He says he uses YouTube videos to teach him how to farm. But he just knew God wanted him to do it, and God would show him how to do it. He wrote a book entitled Centered, Trading Your Plans for a Life That Matters. He was a center for the football team, played for the Tar Heels, props for him. And then he was drafted by the Ravens, became the highest paid NFL lineman. At 27, he and his wife had a 12,000 square foot mansion, but his heart was empty. He asked Jesus what he wanted Jason to do. And the response was, feed my people. And so he and his wife started a ministry called First Fruits. And since they began it, they have provided over one million pounds of food to the needy in their community. And along with their eight children, they're a little ahead. Y'all got to catch up. Eight children, they're making a difference. Our friend Gil Johansson, many of you that have been here a long time know Gil. Gil and his wife moved up there to be closer to their children He volunteers on that farm once a week. And he shared that story with me this week. I'd call that unconventional, wouldn't you? Giving up $37.5 million because he felt Jesus was leading him to do this. But the love of God is unconventional. The world may look at it and call it crazy. Who in their right mind would do something like that? We would call it faith. It is so foreign, so refreshing, so jaw-droppingly amazing that it will stop people in their tracks. And when we love Jesus and we love like Jesus, people will not be able to ignore it. Do you have that kind of crazy love for people? Does your love reflect the love of Jesus? And that brings us to our final thought of the day. God's love is unbelievable. It's unbelievable what the love of God can do in a person's life. The redemption, reconciliation, and renewal is otherworldly. 
Truth be told, if, if you have been a follower of Jesus for long enough, you have definitely heard and read the unbelievable testimonies of people who responded to the love of God. Truth be told, uh, you recognize that that's the difference maker. As one example, did you know that many who convert to Christianity from other religions identify the love of God through Christ as the reason for their conversion? Think about it. For a person who has spent their entire life working harder and harder to earn the favor, the conditional favor of whatever God or religion they're following, for that person to hear that they are unconditionally loved is unbelievable. It's astounding. It is shocking. It rocks their world. And then the beautiful twist of Christianity is this. In response to the unbelievable love of God, we are called to place our belief in the one who traded his life for others. We're called to believe in the sacrificial love of Christ. The John 15, 13, greater love is no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus demonstrated that very love on the cross. Romans 5, 5 through 8. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you have friends in your life that you would trade your life for? Do you have people in mind who need to receive the unbelievable love of God? Would you be willing to be an ambassador who represents this kingdom of love? Are you willing to imitate Christ, to stand out instead of fit in? John 13, 35, Jesus says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Loving others is such a shock to the world, and by doing so, people will know you were a disciple of Christ. Or at the very least, they will know that you ascribe to principles and characteristics of a different kingdom. And another way to look at this is to say, if you love others, you're going to stand out. And I would add that if you love others unconditionally and unconventionally, like Jesus did, if you imitate the way Christ loved you will see people move into relationship with Christ because this kind of capital L love is unbelievable and it brings about unbelievable transformation and redemption and reconciliation is going to happen in its midst. Pastor Lee Strobel shared this story. I've shared it before, but I felt in light of what Lynn shared with us this morning and Christy Pinnell is doing with her new ministry she's starting, I, th I think it's very important to remember. He shared that they were doing a baptismal service, and they told people to come down to the platform to be baptized, take a little piece of paper, and write on that paper a few of the sins they've committed, and fold the paper. And when they come up to the platform, there was a large wooden cross on the stage. And they were to take that piece of paper, take a pen and pin it 
to the cross. Because the Bible says our sins are nailed to the cross with Jesus. And fully paid for by his death. And then they were to turn and come to the pastor to be baptized. Well, a lady wrote to the church after one of those services, and this is what she wrote. I remember my fear. In fact, it was the most fear I remember in my life. I wrote as tiny as I could on that piece of paper the word abortion. I was so scared someone would open the paper and read it and find out it was me. I wanted to get out and walk out of the auditorium. During the service, the guilt and the fear were that strong. And when I, my, my turn came, I walked toward the cross and I pinned the paper there and I was directed to a pastor to be baptized. He looked me straight in the eyes and I thought for sure that he was going to read this terrible secret I kept from everybody for so long. But instead, I felt like God was telling me, I love you. It's okay. You've been forgiven. And I felt so much love for me, a terrible sinner. It's the first time I ever really felt forgiveness and unconditional love. It was unbelievable, indescribable. Do you have inside of you a secret sin that you wouldn't even want to write down on a piece of paper out of fear that somebody might open it up and find out? Let me tell you something about the Jesus that I know. Not only does he want to adopt you as his child, he wants to lift the weight of guilt off your shoulders. You need to receive that kind of love today. Maybe you brought that weight in here with you. It's been consuming you. It's been suffocating you. Friend, I want you to know Jesus loves you unconditionally, unconventionally, unbelievably. How could he love me? And who do you know that needs to experience that kind of love? What can you do this week to love more like Jesus loved? Are there areas of conditional love that you need to repent of and ask forgiveness? Maybe you simply feel the need to immerse yourself in the Gospels and read and reread about all the ways and all the people that Jesus loved. Whatever it is, wherever you are feeling today, called today, commit to it. Stand out rather than fit in. Be more like Jesus and less like you. Father, we come today with many different thoughts. Some may be thinking about their own sin and how it makes them feel so unworthy of your love. Help them, Father, to realize that your love is unconditional. You have loved them before they were ever born and you still love them. And if there is sin they need to repent of, help them to stand up and seek out your forgiveness. Help them accept your love and repent of the sin that has separated them from you. Others may be thinking about how we can truly imitate Christ. So put upon our hearts, Father, the needs of those around us. Help us to be open to the loving people as Christ has loved us. He took our sins upon himself and nailed them to the cross. If someone is here with bitterness and hate, help them to leave that at the cross today and begin to share your love with others. Bless us, Father, as we leave here today and attempt to imitate that love of Christ. Open our ears and open our eyes to the love of Jesus 
We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to be singing in just a second, but I want to share this with you before we do. Isaiah 53. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. That passage goes on to tell us that even our griefs and our sorrows Jesus bore on the cross. So today this is a call. And look, I, I, know, I know I've gone over time. And if time is the only thing you're worried about today, if getting food in your belly is the only thing, you ought to just go right now because you hadn't heard a word I've said. God wants to do something in your life today. He wants you to feel and experience His love in a way that you've never done it before. And this call is to lay your burden down, to bring it to the cross. In one of my prayer thoughts this week, the idea was that God is waiting. And He's been waiting for us for a long time. And some of you have been holding out. Some of you have been holding on to those burdens and you're not letting them go. You aren't giving them to Him. You aren't bringing them to the cross. So today we want to give every person a chance. In your seat, there's a piece of paper. And on the, that paper, uh, if you need a pen, we can get you a pen. But on that paper, I'm asking you to write down whatever burden it is that you brought in here today. It doesn't have to just be sin. It could be sin. Maybe the sin that you need forgiveness of. But it might also be your griefs or your sorrows. The things that have brought hurt and pain. Jesus loves you unconditionally, unconventionally, unbelievably. So let his love wash over you today. I don't want you to put your name on that piece of paper because he knows who you are. Just write it and fold it over. And after you write these down, as we're standing and singing, we just ask that you bring them up to the cross. Jack, would you go ahead and move that over here to the center of our stage? Jesus has already taken it all to the cross with him. But maybe this physical act will just be a, a real means for you to know. Hey, it's taken. If there's someone who needs to be baptized today, just let us know. I'm going to have a line of people here ready to pray.